This time of year, right here before Thanksgiving, always reminds me of one of my favorite stories about Gabe and Vivian. They were little. They were of the size that when they sat on the couch with their backs to the cushions, Gabe's feet barely hung off, and Vivian's didn't reach the edge. And one day, they were sitting just like that on the couch with their bowl of goldfish in their laps. And Vivian, who was three, said to five-year-old Gabriel, Now, when did Jesus die? Now, I had the privilege of being in the doorway right behind them, so they did not see me listening. She asked him, When did Jesus die? And Gabe was quiet for a minute. And she said, Was it Easter? And he said, no, that's when he came back to life. And again, some silence. And she said, it wasn't Christmas. And he said, no, that's when he was born. And after another little bit of silence, Gabe finally offered the answer. I think it was at Thanksgiving. (laughs) And here we are, just a few days before Thanksgiving, recalling the death of Jesus. Now, I don't think that he had gotten that connection. I think it was really about all the times people got together and ate a lot of food, and he was working down the line, Easter and Christmas, what's the other time we do a lot of food? And so surely, maybe that's when Jesus died, on Thanksgiving. Yes, indeed, we are here at the end of our church calendar year, and we are claiming on this Sunday, known as Christ the King, remembering through our claiming of it that Christ reigns supreme over and in all things which can sometimes be a hard reality to remember. Because we do see in this world strife and oppression and suffering. We do see powers in the world that wield their power only at the advantage of the less fortunate. We see systems that feed off of those that are poor or neglected. And so we might wonder, how is it that Christ reigns supreme in this world, how can we, in all authenticity, remember and claim this truth about our faith? Well, perhaps we can look at this story again and see in Jesus' death the gateway to the resurrection. Because indeed, we cannot celebrate the risen Christ without Jesus having died first. And in the risen Christ, we realize and remember that God has broken the bonds of death, and that death does not have the last word. Instead, life has the last word. Life triumphs over even that which is most absolute, death. One time, one of my kids did ask me which was the more important holiday, Christmas or Easter, and I had to say, they're linked. They're both the most important holiday. Easter is only profound because Jesus was alive and human. It wouldn't be significant, the resurrection of Jesus, if he was somehow transcending that very suffering on the cross. So it is because God became incarnate in in Jesus that we realize and remember the vulnerability of humanity, the suffering that happens at the hands of others, and that innocents suffer. So when Jesus died on the cross and then was raised from the dead, we can see the power of God. The last few days I have spent at a conference at Trinity Church Wall Street where we were wrestling with the stories of the cross and the idea of abundant life. 
And one particular speaker told her story, and I thought it was so profound, I want to share it with you. Her name is Dr. Chung Hyung Kyung. She's a Korean-American. She's the professor of ecumenical theology at Union Theological Seminary in New York. And she told us about her life growing up in Korea, that she is third-generation Presbyterian on her mother's side, and her father converted to the Christian faith in the marriage, but deep in his heart, he was really more of a Confucianist, a Taoist, um, a shamanist. And so with their holiday gatherings, they did recognize the Christian story, but they also remembered their ancestors and took time to worship them. She shared that this is a big challenge in the Asian world when there's a recognition of karma and an understanding that we come back into this world to correct or to address issues that were happened in our previous life. So one is understood to have good karma if you are born into a good family with loving people all around, if there's enough money to support you as you grow in your life, and if you make a contribution to the world, and then at the end of your life, if you're surrounded by all of your family and you die a happy death. That is good karma. Bad karma is when you are born into poverty, when you don't know your parents, when you don't have enough resources in this world to be a contributor to this world, and when you die a lonely death. So she said, with a chuckle and twinkle in her eye, you can understand why Christianity hasn't continued to grow in Asia. Because Jesus, well, he had bad karma. (laughs) Who would want to emulate him? He was born into a lowly stable. Don't even really know who his dad is. He was raised in poverty, and he died abandoned on the cross, the result of the powerful forces around him. But this story of Jesus broke up and open for Chung in a new way when she was in college in Guangzhou. There was an uprising in the 1970s, and the government came in with martial law the first year of her college experience. Classes were suspended, tanks rolled in. She joined a Christian, a Korean Christian student movement and studied underground with other students. But it was during this time that she was kidnapped and imprisoned and tortured. And she remembers on one particular day where she had been told that she needed to give up the names of the other students that were a part of the same movement to stand against a government that had killed 2,000 of its people. She was told that she needed to give up their names or suffer death. And in that moment, she heard the words, the Lord is my shepherd. And she followed that psalm through, yes, even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil. She said she felt strong hands holding her. And that's when she saw in Jesus a new dimension in his suffering. It was not the karma perspective that was prevalent in her world, but one who was not destroyed by the suffering, but instead communicated the very real presence and strength and transforming power of God. When we look at Jesus' death as a direct result 
of an individual speaking who was speaking truth, Jesus who was speaking truth to the principalities and powers of his day, standing up against the political systems and the, the corrupt religious leaders who were wielding their power at the expense of the unfortunate, we can understand how it was that he was put to death. This revolutionary challenged the powers and the positions of authority, both in the religious world and the political world, and he died the death of a revolutionary. He was executed by the means of the state. And we know that Christ came to address the needs of the, the poor, the sick, the captive. We've heard this all through this year as we've looked at the Gospel of Luke. And we hear it in the First Testament as well in some of the prophets. When Jesus stood up and said, this scripture has come and been fulfilled in this day after reading Isaiah and that he'd come to set the prisoners free. So the good news in Christ's reign, even though we see around us still suffering, the good news is that Christ's reign is not contingent on the powers of this world. It is a reign that is based in truth. And truth will not be silenced or eliminated. It's subversive in the way that it can go and infiltrate all kinds of structures. It can have power from the bottom as much as it can have power from the top. And when we see ourselves on either position, whether on the bottom or on the top, in positions of authority and power, we are challenged as Christian people to speak the truth that Christ came for the lowly, for the needy, for the oppressed, those in prison, the sick, the powerless. In Christ's resurrection, we see and feel the strength to say no to the powers that destroy the creatures of God. So I invite you to consider how God's truth is borne out in you. How is God's truth made known in your love for one another? For all people, loving your neighbor as yourself. It is only through the strength of Christ that we can accomplish this directive to go out into the world and love one another. And God gives us this power as his body in the world, the body of Christ, the church. He strengthens us to speak against powers that destroy the creatures of God, whether they be humans or all of creation. And so we are charged to go out and to share this good news. As a conclusion of this sermon, I want to invite you to proclaim the power of God and the glory of God by turning in your Book of Common Prayer to page 88. You'll see there Canticle 12. And I'm going to invite you to stand together as we say together Canticle 12 on page 88. As you're able, you can stand. And when we are finished with this canticle, to just remain standing for a time of silence, and then we will lead you in the creed. Glorify the Lord, all, all you works, works of the Lord. Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, Glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, you angels and all powers of the Lord. 
O heavens and all waters above the heavens, sun and moon and stars of the sky, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, every shower of rain and fall of dew, all winds and fire and heat. Winter and summer, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O chill and cold, drops of dew and flakes of snow, frost and cold, ice and sleet, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O nights and days, O shining light and enfolding dark, storm clouds and thunderbolts, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Let the earth glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O mountains and hills, and all that grows upon the earth. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O springs of water, seas and streams, O whales and all that move in the waters. All birds of the air, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O beasts of the wild, and all you flocks and herds. O men and women everywhere, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Let the people of God glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O priests and servants of the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Glorify the Lord, O spirits and souls of the righteous. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. You that are holy and humble of heart, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. Let us glorify the Lord. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, praise him and highly exalt him forever. In the firmament of his power, glorify the Lord. Praise him and highly exalt him forever. 